Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Human Nutrition and Lifestyle Podcast. Today on the podcast, we've got an exciting guest for you. We've got Miss Pamela Kenny, and Miss Pamela Kenny is from Canada. Is that right, Pamela? That's right. Yeah. So, if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, the kind of journey you've gone on with nutrition, that'd be great. Will do. So, first of all, hello, Matthew. Um, thank you for the invitation to your podcast. I am really enjoying all of the episodes very, very much. And I'm really happy to be here. So I am 45 years old. I am a mom of three. I work full time as a quality analyst, uh, but in my spare time, I like to study nutrition because of the huge impact food has made on my own life. Um, my journey started back in 2013, um, in October of that year. I had a very traumatic surgery um, and my mom volunteered to take over my nutrition uh, during my healing time. And in my eight week recovery, I lost a lot of weight with zero exercise on a low carb diet. So she put me on a low carb, high protein diet. Um, for 2014, 2015, I did mostly keto diet, but I really struggled with adherence during that time and my weight yo-yoed a lot. Um, but in 2016, my partner um, decided that he was going to join me on my low carb journey. So that's when I began my Instagram for accountability, which it's really good for. And again, we lost a lot of weight um, in 2016. Um, but the problem was that I was unhappy with my results. Um, I was at the end of that year, very low energy. Um, I had a lot of digestive distress, IBS, GERD. Uh, I had been diagnosed with a hiatal hernia years before. I had some mental health issues like generalized anxiety. And I looked depleted. I noticed uh, in pictures at Christmas time that year um, that I just looked like I didn't really have a lot of life in me. And um, I really, after all that hard work of tracking macros and, and sticking to that way of eating, it was a lot of disappointment um, because I didn't like the way that I looked and I didn't like the way that I felt. When I look back now on that time period, um, even when I look through my Instagram of that time, I was very vegetable heavy keto. I was eating a lot of chicken and I was consuming a lot of seed oils in the form of sauces and dips to try to get my fats in. And I was still snacking a lot at that time too. Um, so beginning of 2017, I was following Dr. Sean Baker on Twitter and he was talking about this all meat diet which we now know as the carnivore diet. And uh, he kind of put out a challenge to his followers, you know, to give it a try. So I committed to 28 days. So I was gonna do the month of February because it was the shortest month. 
And so I did it, uh, February, 2017, I, I started my all meat diet and it was absolutely life-changing. I saw and felt a change in my health almost immediately. In less than one week, my IBS symptoms stopped completely. And I still am symptom-free today. I battled with IBS for over 25 years. I tried all types of protocols, but eliminating fiber from my diet seemed to be the holy grail for me. And IBS is so, so common nowadays, but what people do not talk about is the mental health impact it has on us and how it changes your relationship with food in a very negative way. So along with um, healing my IBS, my mental health improved dramatically during that time, very quickly. My sleep was better, my energy was higher, um, and then my 28-day challenge turned into three years of strict carnivore, um, really focused on healing. And the longer I went, the better I felt. And the more I loved my body composition, I felt and looked stronger and I had more life in me. My health improved in every way. You know, I continued to monitor my metabolic markers through the years um, and they continue to improve as well. So I know I'm healthy on the inside. You know, I try to keep my Instagram um, very transparent. You know, I don't want to be that person that six months down the road says, oh, by the way, while I was eating this way, this was happening to my body. You know, I'm trying to, you know, put it out there good or bad. Um, so people, you know, can follow along my journey and it's truthful and transparent. Um, so from there, uh, 2020 came and I started to reintroduce some low carb fruits. Um, so mostly berries, peppers, and olives too, um, which since then I have abandoned the olives because I discovered after some self experimentation that olives, um, most likely from the oxalates in them, caused me to have joint pain in my elbows. So once I eliminated those, I eliminated that joint pain. Um, I couldn't understand that for the longest time, but that's what it came down to. So, I mean, that is one of the greatest benefits of the carnivore diet. It basically is the most effective elimination diet that you can use. It helps you to cut down the noise in your body so that you're later able to determine the foods that work for you, as well as the foods that do not work for you. So, yeah, I mean, my path today looks a little bit different than when I started. I started definitely with a weight loss goal in mind, um, but now I think I'm much more interested in my metabolic health, um, longevity, vitality and my mental health and like an overall quality of life. I do have extra weight on me now. I'm not going to lie about that. Um, you know, but I'm trying to be consistent with what I do, you know, with my diet, with my movement 
And honestly, like consistency is truly the key to any goal. I mean, let's be honest. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking more towards long-term health. You know, that includes my hormone health, which includes hunger signaling. And um, I think that through a consistent approach with nutrition and movement and sleep in the long run, you know, that will bring me optimum health. Yeah, definitely. I'm pleased that's the way you're aiming for. So um, your story kind of follows the track that a lot of people follow when they first find low carb. So they go potentially into something that we know as keto, and that could be a low carb lifestyle is a low carb lifestyle for a lot of people. But if you don't approach it correctly, then it still is potentially not the answer for a lot of people. So then if you turn over to carnivore, then then as you found out, you, you can introduce a lot more nutrient dense foods and perhaps you, you get away more from the processed food in, in that respect. Keto can still be processed food. A lot of people still get it wrong. They still go into keto thinking, oh, well, if it's low carb, it's fine. But no, you still have to avoid all that processed food. And as you found out, and as a lot of people find out, your body really sings for those real foods. And so what actually made you decide then once you got to carnivore and you potentially did the reset of your body, everything started to feel great. So what then made you think, okay, I'm potentially going to bring in some more carbohydrates, some different kind of foods here, some vegetables and and other things in my diet. Um, I think one of my long-term goals too is metabolic flexibility. Um, It's not it's not likely that my ideal foods are always going to be available to me me in every situation. Um, Food is a very social thing. Um, You know, we're never gonna get away from that. It's, It's often part of a celebration. I don't want fasting to be my only other option when animal foods are not available to me. And personally, I believe that metabolic flexibility is a sign of great health. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just to say what metabolic flexibility is, it's more of you can burn your fuel from either source, either carbohydrates uh, or fats, and you can go along the spectrum there quite easily, shifting your body's energy from one to the other without worry. Some people and a lot of people get stuck in just sugar burning mode. And some people, if you take it way to the extreme on the other end, can get stuck in fat burning mode. If you limit the carbohydrates far too much, then it's quite easy to break it. The human body will break it and go back into burning glucose soon as you allow it. But metabolic flexibility is being able to do it all of the time without even thinking about it. Your body's got the ability to do that. Bring in some carbohydrates, I'll say to, like you did, anybody who goes strict carnivore or anybody who wants to go absolutely low carb, right flat to the four zero carb. I don't think that's the way to go. I think like you found out and and a lot of people find out metabolic flexibility is a great thing to have, whether you're doing sports, whether you're not doing sports, whether you're, you're just going through your daily routine, you still need to be metabolically flexible. And And I mean, I'm very, I'm still very protein oriented now. Um, I really want to control the trajectory of my aging, uh, you know, as well as I can. And that means, you know, building and protecting my skeletal muscle and you need amino acids for that. Um, you know, muscle is the organ of longevity. So, and it also means like protecting my, my brain and my neurotransmitters. So I'm also including a lot of fat in my diet. I think I just have a more balanced approach to nutrition this year. 
I almost don't like to use that word balance though, because I feel like in the Western diet, it often means finding a way to fit in junk food. (laughs) So (laughs) when I say balanced diet, I always mean a whole foods diet. So macronutrients, you know, fats, proteins, and carbs. You still mean um, what I talk about a lot, which is prioritizing protein. You prioritize your protein and then you, you potentially balance it out with a little bit of flavor. I call it a little bit of vegetables on the side or a little bit of carbohydrate on the side, just to balance it out to make sure that you can call on your glycogen and your carbohydrates if and when you need them. That's right. I have not introduced any vegetables yet to my diet, but I mean, I live in Canada. Our ground is frozen right now. We don't have any uh, fresh, local, available produce to us. You know, so I do always recommend to eat seasonally. So that's not really an option for me right now. Um, and when things are transported, you know, from halfway across the world, you know, they're, they're picked early. Um, so they're okay when they get to you and we know then they're higher in anti-nutrients. So I just avoid that altogether. Yeah. I think that's a great point to touch on when you talk about seasonally, you talk about things that could be grown in your back garden or be grown down your local farm you know it's not about what you can get from your grocery shop it's not about saying well they're on the shelves so they must be in season no they're not if you check the the packaging on things you tend to see that they've been flown in from spain or brazil or or wherever like that so seasonally means what you can actually grow in your own garden at that time of year and that's a great thing to say now going through all of all of your journey and and perhaps at one point you was looking into all the myths like the uh, low fat myth and the low fat spreads and all them type of things. And maybe you come across uh, calorie counting to lose weight. Um, Tell us a little bit about, do you count calories now? And do you think calorie counting is even important? I mean, calories matter for sure. Um, But I don't, I don't count calories. I don't track macros anymore. I do not weigh myself. First, weighing yourself on the carnivore diet makes zero sense to me. And I I see this in in groups all the time. Um, You know, people are saying like, I'm gaining weight uh, on the carnivore diet, but it really is a healing diet. And when you first start out, like when you think about the changes that are happening to your body, your, you know, your muscle tissues, you know, are regaining their strength. Um, you know, you're healing your gut, your, your bone density is improving. So to get on a scale at that point, you know, that's a really, it's a, it's an awful way to make yourself abandon your mission really quickly, you know, by judging by what the scale says. Uh, But saying that, uh, yes, I have done low calorie diets in the past, Uh, Weight Watchers in particular, uh, did that, you know, a couple, a couple of bouts of that which I hated every minute of it. I was hungry all the time. I was eating uh, Weight Watchers snacks continuously uh, because they sell them on a table next to the lineup to weigh in every week. And you can't help yourself. Uh, You know, anybody can lose weight if you commit to a low calorie diet. You know, you can get to that place where you say, you know what, I'm going to do this and you will lose weight, but I encourage you to consider what else you're going to lose along the way with the weight. You know, 10 months from now, 
your hair is shedding, your gums are receding, your skin is dry or problematic, you've lost bone density, you've lost muscle, and you've slowed down your metabolism. So when hunger wins out, which it always does, um, you're gonna gain the weight back. You know, so you need to find a goal um, that is steady, sometimes slow, uh, but effective way to long-term good overall health. And calorie restriction is not the way to do it. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there when you said about long-term sustainability. It's uh, these things like the Weight Watchers and the calorie counters. Fine, if you want to lose weight in the short term, probably not going to be great for you as, you, as you mentioned, but it will work very short term. But if you're looking for something to be sustainable long term, something that could be of op you could get optimal health from throughout the rest of your life, then these things, calorie counting is not going to be one of them. You need no. to make and, sure and typically those foods, uh, you know, available in those kinds of programs are not really good for you. You know, they don't do anything for your body in health ways. That's right. Yeah, they're not like nutrient dense food, which we, we always uh, talk about. I mean, maybe you could uh, elaborate on that a little bit and tell us what are nutrient dense foods and and when we talk about nutrients obviously we talk about vitamins and minerals and things and some people will still say even now that well um, orange juice is great for you because it has a vitamin c and they're missing the the, the point there we're, we're talking about nutrient dense foods and along with nutrient dense foods um, the bioavailability of those nutrients in those foods as well to your body and when you switch over to a carnivore diet, you tick both of those boxes. I wonder if you could uh, elaborate and just kind of break it down for our audience. Yeah, sure. I mean, there's, there's absolutely no denying the fact that animal foods are the most nutrient dense and the most have the most bioavailable vitamins and minerals for our bodies. I mean, it's just, you can't ignore the science there. Um, you know, and there's all different all different aspects of that, you know, I mean, I try to eat a nose to tail diet, I try to get the most bang for my buck. Um, as far as eating meat goes, like, I, I really do feel like there is a spiritual aspect to eating meat. Um, to have life, I believe we must eat life, you know, we are a part of a food chain and a natural system. But we need to hold that in that system in the highest regard and respect it. Um, I do believe that when we consume animal foods, that we are also consuming the energy of that animal. You know, so when you eat animals, you know, like, do you want to support like a factory farmed animal? You know, they're full of stress. They're eating an unnatural diet. You know, or do you want to consume the energy of like a pasture raised animal that is properly cared for and nourished and exposed to sunlight and fresh air. You know, I'll always pay for, for more quality, you know, and to also help support the environment, you know, and I do strive to eat nose to tail out of respect, you know, for the animal. And let's face it, like organs are nature's multivitamin. Um, so I try to eat some organ meats once a week. Uh, a little goes a long way. Nature tells us this by the ratio of muscle meat to organ meat of an animal. You know, so I would encourage everybody to find a way to enjoy, you know, a little bit of organ meats, um, you know, enjoy it any way that you can. Um, I do still supplement too. 
In, in winter here, we do not have access to vitamin D. Uh, it's actually just started in the last couple of weeks here. Um, but my schedule always doesn't align with the sun. So, um, so I'm still taking vitamin D and I'm taking K2 with that and magnesium. Um, I do think, you know, supplementation has a place, but I would strongly encourage anyone when you can to get, get vitamins and minerals from whole food sources. Our bodies are always, you know, striving for homeostasis, for balance and supplements can very easily throw off that balance. And they are definitely a less is more approach. I think, you know, doctors are seeing a lot of liver damage and an overburdening of liver because of supplementation these days. So, you know, stick to bioavailable nutrition that comes from animal sources. You can eat a wide variety of animals. I mean, I eat mostly beef for satiety. It keeps me going um, longer than any other meat, you know, but I still eat pasture-raised pork and chicken and shrimp and oysters, you know, different seafoods. Um, you know, so you can still have a lot of variety in, in an animal-based diet. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, when people hear carnivore, they immediately think also, oh, so all you eat is steaks. Well, while steaks are very nice, there is so <laughs> many things out there. Like you've mentioned all types of different kinds of fish. I mean, we eat a bit of game. So we have hare and venison and pheasant and duck. And there's so many things out there that you can utilize. It's not just the things that are on the the shelves in the shop and I like the way you put it I've never really thought about it that way before but I like the way you say think about the energy from the animal would you like to be consuming an animal who's had a really nice happy life out in the field out on the pastures or something that's been dragged through the uh, terrible systems out there in the feedlots I mean that's a great way to to think about it I shall be yeah uh, absolutely I, I mean hunters people that that hunt and harvest their own own food often talk about that spiritual aspect of it. And, and just because I don't do that part of it, I don't want to disrespect it. You know, I, I, you know, I want to make sure I'm paying homage to that. Yeah, that's brilliant. It's a brilliant way to think about it. So, so is there things um, that you would say you add into your nutrition at times then that are perhaps, let's say non-optimal things like um, maybe a bit of alcohol, maybe, Maybe things that you still have in your nutrition that you just cannot live without. Um, yes, I still definitely have non-optimals in my life. Um, one of them is alcohol. I do still drink red wine, um, not often, and I do still drink some vodka in the summertime. Um, still, always low carb beverages. Uh, I can definitely tell you that my tolerance for alcohol since going carnivore is way down and you, anyone else will find that too. That just, that just seems to happen. So, um, yeah, uh, as far as food, I've always still eaten dark chocolate. Um, you know, I've tried pizza a couple of times, but I found something really interesting with gluten and that is, it makes me hypersensitive and hyper emotional. So two times that I did have gluten through this, I 
I cried the next day. And I have to say that since I started carnivore, I am so emotionally steady. That's a pretty common thing uh, with carnivores is that we're, we stay really level in our emotions and coming from somebody, you know, that struggled with mental health. I had generalized anxiety disorder as a child back then, you know, doctors did not diagnose you with that. Um, like my poor parents, like they put in a good shift with me because I was, you know, crying all the time. Um, so, I mean, to say that now I am so emotionally stable, uh, like I can't, I want to scream that from the rooftops, you know, especially with all of the stresses that we have in our lives right now, you know, we really are not meant to be working all the time and have having all of these burdens on us all the time. And, and I, I we're living through a pandemic, you know, that is stress. So for me to be able to say that I am emotionally steady, that's a big thing for me. That's huge. That makes me never, ever want to go back to where I was. Yeah, I think a lot of that comes down to the insulin uh, because obviously when you're eating a high carb diet, your insulin spikes all the time and then crashes and it is really, really linked to your emotions. People don't realize how much insulin's linked to your emotions. And it's obviously sometimes it can cause children to have the ADHD. That's quite common nowadays because that's an emotional thing in children. And if you can control that insulin, which is what a carnivore diet does, keep it on a nice level playing field all through the day. And I do believe, yes, in, in the mental aspect of things, it can really, if you are one of those people who is quite highly strong, it can calm you down and, and stop you going on the emotional roller coaster. Um, That's so true. Like our, our, our bodies have this dashboard warning system for us. Unfortunately, we probably are more apt to take care of our car than our body, though. You know, high blood pressure, high blood sugar, waistline, chronic headaches, skin disorders, high triglycerides, like these are all related to what we eat, you know, but instead of reversing these warnings, we often just treat the symptom, but then we wonder why it escalates to chronic disease. I shared this post on Instagram lately, and it, it said something like, um, it advised you to judge your doctor on how hard he works to get you off medication. I was like, amen to that. Yes. You know, that was such great advice. You know, we all have had times in our lives when we have prayed for a do-over. Everybody knows that feeling, you know, but I never, ever want to have that with my health. I, I've abused my body in different ways over the years, you know, and you need to have, have patience. Healing is not going to happen overnight, but you know, if you stick with it, it certainly will happen. Our, our bodies are self-healing, but you need to give it the opportunity to do that. Yeah, that's right. And, and I don't think uh, we have been, as a society, anybody's been given that opportunity, like you say about the doctors are far too quick to prescribe medication rather than asking what's your nutrition like, perhaps um, the first point of call, like you say, should be, what are you eating? What's your nutrition like? What's your lifestyle like? Because like you say, everybody's going through stress at the moment and work could be stressed, kids could be stressed. And then if you're adding stress on top of that with your nutrition as well, then it just adds up and adds up and it's always going to crash. There's going to be a point where it's going to crash. So let's refine it and let's make sure that at least your nutrition and then you can look at your lifestyle, everything comes back and is all brought together in one. Now, I just want to touch on something that you said about uh, 
yeah, carnivore diet being the reset and then other things begin to perhaps taste a little bit different and you react a little bit different to them because loads of people find that one particular food or even alcohol, like, like you referred to, used to be a crutch for them. They used to really enjoy it. They used to go to it all the time, chocolate, you know, things like that. And then once you get over to a carnivore diet, once your body starts to get used to eating this nutrient dense food, it starts to realize how much it's enjoying getting all the vitamins and minerals from these things. Then your taste buds could change into realizing, hang on a moment, I don't actually want that piece of chocolate, that cake, that maybe alcohol, whatever it is. Definitely. Uh, processed foods is complete junk. Like I do not even think that is food anymore, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, taste buds definitely change. Like, like one thing that always astonishes me is, you know, I've eaten meat every single day since 2017, never skipped a day. But I still, when I am hungry, want a steak more than anything else in the world. Like if I could choose anything to eat, I would choose to eat meat. You know, so like, what does that tell you? Um, you know, I still do notice, and I think because I've cut down the noise in my body, I do notice cravings once in a while. One of them is for dark chocolate. Um, you know, so, but I think that's probably my body telling me I may need some magnesium, you know, that might have something to do with my cycle. Um, you know, alcohol, I, I can't drink as much, uh, you know, that's a good thing. Sometimes I crave shrimp, you know, so, you know, maybe my, my thyroid needs a boost. I'm looking my body's looking for some iodine. Um, but yeah, you definitely to start out any new way of eating, you know, whether it's keto, carnivore, or a combination of both, like you absolutely have to give up the trifecta of crap foods, you know, which is polyunsaturated seed oils, you know, PUFAs, processed sugar, and grains. Um, like you're going to find all of those foods in the aisles of the grocery store. You know, you need to either read the labels or just abandon foods that have labels altogether. Um, in Canada, food producers can buy these things called like health check symbols that go on boxes of food that tell you either, you know, it's low fat and it's good for you, or um, it's heart healthy because it has low cholesterol. But the bottom line is, is that if a producer of food is purchasing a health check symbol, you're going to pay for it with your health down the road. Like it's, it's a crock of shit, really. It truly is. So you, you definitely need to give up those things, whole foods diet all the way. Yeah, definitely. That, that brings it into, brings us into marketing. I mean, I, I always say to people, what it says on the front is not what you need to be reading. You need to be turning those packs over. If you are buying packaged food, like you say, see what is actually in your food because um, me and my wife had a conversation the other day and we said, if you put all those ingredients together that was on the back of that packet, if you broke them down and put them on your plate, you would not <laughs> eat it. Like for, for example, if you had 
um, something like the, some some of the ham over here over here that we have has got dextrose in it and it's got um, all sorts of e numbers in it. If you broke it down and put those onto a plate, you'd be thinking, "Oh my God, how can I eat this? What is going on here?" Um, so really check those packets. Look on the back what is in. Your... Definitely, because it's deceptive. It is deceptive marketing and deceptive advertising. And really, if it has a lot of ingredients, you're safe to just stay away from it. Yeah, right. And even now, with all the plant-based produce that's coming out there, these plant-based produce say on the front of them that they're super healthy. They're, they're now all claiming to be superfoods, as we as we know they're not. And uh, how come this uh, plant-based it's taking off so much. It's it's like it's a, this new marketing thing that's taking over the world, plant-based. And they're, they're also, I noticed the other day, putting out there about this bioavailability. Well, in my opinion, all food's bioavailable, but it never tells you how much. That's right. That's another deceptive marketing scheme. I mean, I don't think that... I don't think there's a lot of plant-based people in the world, but I certainly think that they have a very large voice. Um, I think it's hard to find long-term plant-based people that are healthy. Um, there's definitely, it's definitely not generational. I mean, there, there is no history of it. Um, we are here because we ate meat. We evolved by eating meat. And, and the bottom line is, is that any diet that absolutely 100% requires you to supplement is just not a natural human diet. That's just the bottom line. Yeah, totally agreed. I mean, you touched a little bit on, on supplements earlier and, and I, do, I do agree with what you say. I mean, all your supplements really, I would try my hardest to get all your supplements you can, even vitamin D from your nutrition and your lifestyle. But I do understand that people live in all sorts of different kinds of the world, unless you live in on the strict equator or near the equator, your vitamin D is going to be hard to come by and you may have to supplement that. But even saying that, some vitamin D supplements, again, you have to read and you have to be careful with your vitamin D supplements because if they're, if they're super cheap, 50p for a big pack, then they're not going to be the vitamin D supplements that you want. They're probably just going to be full of other things. So it's the, right. same, it's the same with supplements as it is with food. You need to check the source. You need to make sure where they're coming from. You need to make sure they are the proper thing that your body's going to absorb because any particular supplement you take, it is not going to be as bioavailable to your body. Your body's not going to absorb it as well as it is if you're getting that particular nutrient from any sort of food, like you mentioned, the organ meats, which are full of them. If you eat organ meat, then all those vitamins and all those minerals in that organ meat is straight away bioavailable. It, it comes in the animal form. We are animals. It's straight away bioavailable to you to use in your body. But if you do have a, a supplement or you're getting it from plants, then your body has to convert it into something to use. And when we talk about bioavailability, that's kind of what we mean. It means it's available straight away. Your body can use it straight away as it comes in the animal form. But if it's in a plant form, something like uh, beta carotene in the carrot, it has to transform it into vitamin A to be able to use. And a lot of, a lot of plants are like that. And also the supplements are like that as well when you get them in tablet form. So you have to um, make sure that you know that and make sure that you're getting the right amount and from a reputable source. Now, something you touched on a little bit earlier was fasting. 
Um, do you do fasting? Did did fasting come natural to you, or was it just a byproduct of your turning carnivore? It was a bit of a byproduct of turning carnivore. Um, when you talk about bioavailable nutrition, it, it makes me think of when I first went carnivore. Um, I think you really get uh, this feeling, especially after you know years of restriction or years of health problems, you get this feeling of nourishment. It's it's like the best feeling in the world, and I can remember you know early on feeling you know after fasting. Um, you know, intermittent fasting, eating a piece of meat and almost feeling euphoric from it. You know, when I think about like that is bioavailable, like, I mean, that is, you know, a direct result of putting something good into my body. And I don't get it as much as I used to anymore, probably because I am nourished at this point. So I'm not seeing that, you know, that drastic change when I eat. Um, but I just have to say that that was just a really amazing thing. Um, yeah, so uh, fasting. I think it is a byproduct of carnivore diet. I have never done an extended fast. Um, I think fasting more falls into my kind of intuitive eating approach. Uh, I, I typically finished finish eating, you know, by 6 or 7 p.m. And I am not hungry again until sometime between 11 and one o'clock on a normal day. That being said, um, it's mostly when I eat beef for dinner that I go that long. I do find that if I eat chicken or pork for dinner, I am hungrier early in the day. So, and I never, I never refuse my body food when I'm hungry. I cannot even OMAD. I cannot, I, I mean, I will do it maybe on a Saturday, if we have like a really special big dinner planned, I will not eat all day until that dinner. Um, but on a typical day, I always eat two meals a day, usually around one and then again at dinner time. So yeah, I've never had an extended fast. When I am hungry, I talk about food all the time. Like I talk about what I want to eat. I talk about how I'm going to make it. Um, you know, I talk about how good it's going to be and how much I'm looking forward to it. I can't imagine how much I would talk about food while I was fasted. Like, especially if I was forcing the fast, which at this point in my journey, it would definitely be forced because I cannot even go one meal a day. Um, and so I, I think about, you know, what that looks like to impressionable young people you know, especially the ones living with me, you know, that I, I'm hungry and I'm not going to eat, you know, that, that plays on me a bit. Uh, and, and I just, I want them to see food as, um, you know, not a celebration in the reward sense, but that it's available to us and it's here to nourish us. And this is what gives us life. And I don't want them to ever restrict it it's, it's an awful way to live for me. Calorie restriction, I've done that. You know, I think fasting for weight loss is just not for me. I'm going to find a long-term solution. I'm going to be patient. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to head down the extended fast route. 
that's great. That's uh, perfectly what, what works for you. Um, I, I think you would be able to do it. I think you would be able to go longer if you really wanted to. But if you don't want to, it's perfectly fine. There is obviously benefits, which we've talked about before, about going longer, certain things like it could reset your body, it could trigger um, stem cell repair, it could trigger um, things like autophagy. You know, th- there is other benefits rather than weight loss to longer periods of fasting. Definitely. And, uh, you know, when you're when you're ill, you uh, you often just want to fast, you know. So there is a, a biology to that, an ancestral thing to that, you know, that, you know, when we are not well, you know, fasting animals do it all the time. They know better. My dog knows better than to eat when she doesn't feel good. You know, it's intuitive, um, you know, and but I do. I do IF. So typically, you know, like 16 to 18 hours a day, because part of my healing from IBS, you know, is resting my digestion. You know, it's letting my body heal, you know, through the night, you know, and as long as possible, you know, that's always been a part of my, my healing journey. So just out of interest, do you always fast at the same times of day so for example if you are doing a 16-8 or an 18-6 or anything like that would you always skip breakfast or would you sometimes flip it on its head and and perhaps fill up with your two meals later earlier on in the day rather than later on in the day I've never flipped I have always had lunch and dinner and and on the weekends typically I do a brunch and a dinner well, there you go. That's something interesting for you. It's, it's something I actually promote. I tell people yeah. if, they, if they want to be even more metabolically flexible, if they want to even increase their metabolism, because we know fasting increases your metabolism. And if you do want to, uh, in the future, go for longer fasts, things like 24 hours or, or three to five days, then it sets your body up really, really well for doing that. Because you, you often find, I don't know if you found it yourself, by, by doing those things, you are actually hungry. Your body knows when the food's coming. It starts to get hungry. There's a hunger hormone called ghrelin, and that hunger hormone actually starts to become active within your eating window if you always have your lunch and your dinner at the same time every day. It, uh, it's something that if you was, say, say if I was to put it in an ex- exercise perspective, if you was to exercise all the time, the same way, your body would get used to it. So it's the same with fasting. If you to fast, even intermittent fast, the same way all the time, your body gets used to it. So I, I often say to, to people, if you, if you want to look into more metabolic flexibility, if you want to look into more being able to sustain a fast for a longer time, flip it on its head, go for the, go for the breakfast and the lunch one or two days a week. That's all it takes. And then over time, you may find, oh, hang on a minute, I've just skipped a meal and I've actually gone 24 hours without realizing. So it's something That's maybe maybe you could look into if you wanted to. You don't, you don't have to. You watch my Instagram. Maybe I will just do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, I just touched on there that um, fasting actually increases your metabolism. Now, that's uh, a lot of people will think, hang on a minute, surely eating six small meals a day increases your metabolism because that's the myth that we've all been told but um maybe you could just uh, elaborate on that on a bit and and actually by making sure that you do intermittent fast and i have actually started to call it intermittent eating because that's what it is <laughs> then it can increase your metabolism yeah the six meal a day thing i think that was an invention from the food companies to get us to buy more food 
Um, but, you know, I think that um, giving your body that rest is really important for healing and also to control your insulin levels as well. It's, I think it's a very bad idea to eat the six meals a day. You know, you're constantly, you know, up and down with your insulin and that's going to cause you a lot of other problems. Um, you know, so I think it definitely time restricted eating, there's a lot of benefits to it, like you said. Um, but yeah, six meals a day, that, that's made up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. It's another marketing scheme. We'll put it in the marketing box as well as all those, those labels there um, that we talked about earlier. So um, that's been great talking to you, Pamela. I really enjoyed it. If there's one thing that uh, somebody perhaps listening has maybe dabbled a little bit in keto and starting to find out that it's maybe not the best for them, but they want to go even further and they want to see what their body can do and they're looking into all the nutrient-dense food and everything, how can they on a daily basis start thinking, right, what's my next step? How can I get into more optimal eating? Um, I think I would advise anybody, you know, to cut out the big three. So seed oils or, or vegetable oils, sugars and grains right away. Uh, focus on bioavailable nutrition, which is animal foods, hands down. You cannot ignore that science. Um, you know, carnivore is the ultimate elimination diet, and you're going to learn a lot about yourself through the process. Um, I would encourage people to join some kind of some kind of support group. You're, I think, more often than not going to find support within your inner circle with carnivore. It, you know, it's most likely not going to happen. Um, you know, there's, you know, Instagram. There's so many Facebook support groups now for all kinds of carnivore diet and every kind of, um, you know, ketovore. You know, all of those, and they their advice is so great. I mean, they talk about everything from poop to sex to cravings, like it's all there. Um, you know, and the veterans are always there to give great advice too. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be forever. You, if you're trying to heal something, you know, there's, there's nothing insane down the road that you can't reintroduce and, and cutting down that noise is really going to help you to learn about your body. You know, but I, I do think that when you reintroduce, you know, choose seasonal, choose organic when possible, you know, the burden on our body is enough, you know, you shouldn't make it worse. You know, and if it's disruptive to your digestion, do not be afraid to remove it from your diet. You will get everything you need to thrive from meat. Yeah, that's absolutely great. Um, follow those things and, and you won't go far wrong. I believe that uh, it's like you did at, at the start, you know, just pick a few weeks, you know, pick a few weeks to have a go at it. You know, even if it's February, the shortest month, like you say, then just have a go. What's the worst that can happen? The worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to end back where you started. That's so, right. Just give it a go. Brilliant. Uh, it's been absolutely great talking to you, Pamela. And I do follow you on Instagram and see all the meals that you eat all the time. And it just, well, it makes me hungry, actually, because yours, <laughs> yours look so much better than mine. <laughs> oh, thank <laughs> you. And so if people want to join up and follow you on Instagram, then uh, what's the handle to, to look there? Yes, I, I'm most active on Instagram. And my Instagram handle is at loveourlowcarblife. Go follow Pamela because... 
like I say, she's got one of the most colourful and amazing <laughs> Instagrams out there for food. It's, it's ace. Oh, thank you so much, Matthew. It was great talking to you. That was great to get the chance to talk with Pamela. She really knows how to do nutrition for nutrient density and really does have a great Instagram at love our low carb life. Go check her out. So we are now going back to the usual Fridays, once a week episodes. It was amazing over the last couple of weeks to be able to chat with the guys, Mark and Sam from the Public Health Collaboration. I just had to squeeze those inspirational stars in. But now, as I say, back to our weekly Fridays for your human nutrition and lifestyle podcast fix. I hope you are all learning the skills of nutrient-dense nutrition and are building it into your lifestyles. We're always here to help in our Facebook group or on our Instagram at Human Nutrition Lifestyle or visit us on the website www.humannutritionlifestyle.com. Next week, we are talking ice cream and chocolate with Chef Ali Houston from the Paleo Canteen. So if that sounds good, then be happy, be well, and I'll see you next time.